decades ago I'm looking real good in my passport photo Amateur Traveler, episode 635. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about FDR and the Rockefellers, the CIA, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, and where the phrase keeping up with the Joneses comes from, as we talk about New York's Hudson Valley. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Let's talk about the Hudson Valley. I'd like to welcome to the show Adrian Bain from strangersabroadpodcast.com and the Strangers Abroad podcast. And today we're going to talk about the Hudson Valley. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I'm so excited. You're welcome. So a place that you know probably better than me, but I used to live in also. Yes. I grew up in the Hudson Valley. I'm now a world traveler, but man, the Hudson Valley is such a phenomenal place to come home to. So that's where I grew up. It consists of 10 counties along the Hudson River. And it's this classic, bucolic Americana. And there's so much history there. There's so much influence from the American Revolution all the way to New York City elites and some really interesting art and architecture. And it's a little gem you know, it's a little, my dad calls it a fairy tale sometimes <laughs> because it's really, it's so hidden from the world and you wouldn't know that it's there if you didn't explore it. And it makes a, a good amount of what New York actually is. Most people think, oh, New York, New York City, Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty, all these things, Broadway. But the island of Manhattan takes up a very small geographic percentage of the actual state. So it's great to represent the rest of it. Yeah. Well, I know I told you the story that I had a friend who was from upstate New York and she was telling somebody that she was from New York and that she, and later on in the conversation, she said she had a cat and, and the person said, well, that's, I think that's cruel. She didn't know what they were talking about, but they when she said New York, they pictured New York City, and she lived on a dairy farm. So they didn't have the right picture of the rest of the state. No, a hundred percent, which is where a good chunk of people grow up as well or move and live around to. So definitely the association. I've experienced that same thing abroad where people ask me where I'm from. I'll say New York not being specific. And they'll be like, New York, what are you doing here? And I'm like, no, I'm from the country. Like, I'm not as cool as you think I am. <laughs> that was before I lived here. And now I have like a little bit of that New York ego. I hope that doesn't come out. But to be completely honest, one of the big recommendations that most New Yorkers give to newcomers who live in the city or any of the boroughs is the only way to survive this place is to get out. And so a lot of people have second homes or just do day trips, weekend trips to the Hudson Valley because it is so accessible. You can take a car up and hit a bunch of these towns in less than a two-hour drive, or you can take Amtrak or the Metro North. Both are wonderful ways to have a relaxing way to your respite out of the city. So by doing more research on this area, because I grew up with certain stories 
But there's some things that have just been so, some areas that have just been so normalized for me that I never dug deeper. So this was a really nice exercise to dig a little bit deeper into the history of my area. And so many New York City elites and creatives found respite here and found some place to breathe and stretch their arms. I can't put my arms out in New York City without hitting three people. So <laughs> it's nice to have places to go where you can relax and stretch out a little bit. I personally believe that the island of Manhattan is comfortable for 27 people and anything more than that becomes very uncomfortable very quickly. So it's good to have some space. <laughs> well, shall we start in the center of the world, the island of Manhattan, and then head north along the eastern side and then maybe back down again on the western side? That was the itinerary you proposed to me. Where would we go first? So I started us in Grand Central because you will probably be taking the Metro North from there. And and the Metro North is much more affordable and it has more stops along the Hudson River. And the Metro North is a train for those who did not clue in from Grand Central. Yep. <laughs> right. Sorry. My New York City assumptions. Doesn't everybody know what Grand Central is? Sorry. If you're leaving from Grand Central, you can take it along the east or west side of the river. And so I wanted to start with the Hudson River is what the Hudson Valley is based around. And Mm -hmm. it starts in the Adirondack. That's where this, this river begins in a lake called Lake Tear of the Clouds, which sounds like a very Native (laughs) American perspective of that area. I've personally never been there, so I can't tell you if it's misty or cloudy or Mm -hmm. anything, but, or crying a lot. These sound like very sad clouds, but the river is 315 miles long and it ends in New York city and spills out into the Atlantic ocean. So Henry Hudson was the British explorer who wanted to go to Asia And he did a few explorations around the Hudson, and then he started working for the Dutch. And his story gets really weird because he starts working for the Dutch, and the British are like, what's going on? Why are you working for them? That's really annoying. You're British. And he's like, well, the Dutch pay me a whole lot better, and they're supporting me, so please leave me alone. But when he goes back for his last journey, he ends up getting turned over by a mutiny and is shipped down, I think with his sons to die in the Hudson Bay. We honor him by naming the river after him because he's the one who discovered it. He also might've helped the Dutch find New Amsterdam, which would later become New York. Mm -hmm. So that's where the name comes from. If we're starting in Grand Central, the first place that you would want to stop at is Terrytown. And Terrytown is a really darling little brick town by the river. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of things that you can do there. So some common themes that I'm noticing is a lot of things named after New York City elites and some really stunning mansions and architecture. One of the big mansions that you can go visit and explore the landscape and see like wonderful views of the river is Lindenhurst, which is this giant and one of the finest Gothic revival mansions. And it is set on 67 landscaped acres. It's a really stunning piece of 
architecture. And lots of New York City elites have lived there from Jay Gould to William Paulding, who was New York City mayor for a time. And the building itself has evolved depending on who has lived there. The gardens around the area are made to be like a park and there's a rose garden and stunning views of the river. And it's named one of USA's 10 best historic home tours. So that's a really cool piece of history for you to go walk around when you visit Terrytown. Another area is the Rockefeller State Park Preserve. I went to school in Westchester, so I actually visited this quite a bit. And it's just a really expansive. I'm seeing the Rockefeller State Park Preserve is about 1,500 acres and about six square kilometers. It's obviously owned by the Rockefellers, who were huge juggernauts in New York City. And this was where they would escape the city. These are open fields and forest walks and spaces for you walk around and there's little farms everywhere. It's a huge place for you to just go walk around and you can see the Rockefeller house. There's a tree peony garden. All of the walks that you can do were originally made for carriage rides, which is kind of cute. Another house that you could go visit. There's so much history here, guys. There's just like, there's so much is Washington Irving's house. So Washington Irving is possibly America's first celebrity and the father of the American ghost story. And he wrote, and we'll be talking about these a little bit. Oddly enough, we were recording this on Halloween. so <laughs> And we are recording this on Halloween. So it's very apropos. So on this side of the river is Washington Irving's house in Sunnyside. Mm-hmm. And that is where he wrote... The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Rip Van Winkle. I'll get to Rip Van Winkle when we explore the Catskills on the west side. But The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is about a headless horseman that haunts, at the time, a fictional town called Sleepy Hollow. And there is now a town called Sleepy Hollow that's very close to it. It's about a headless horseman who haunts this town and the protagonist, Ichabod Crane, is a newcomer into this town. He ends up falling in love with like a very influential girl and ends up getting kidnapped by the Headless Horseman. They made movies about it. Johnny Depp's in it. So at this house, (laughs) you can explore his house. And it, again, has a really stunning view of the river and is on these very bucolic grounds. They'll do cute little tours. They have a an old Rip Van Winkle, and they've got little memorabilia of the stories that he created. While you're exploring this area, you're going to get hungry. And Terrytown is known for Blue Hillstone Barns. So if you've ever watched Chef's Table on Netflix, the second episode of the first season features Dan Barber's Stone Barns. It's a Michelin star restaurant. And they grow everything on site. And it's this giant farm where they just really focus on sustainable and organic food and agriculture. They make everything there. I personally haven't been, but my best friend went and she said that the food was phenomenal. So while you're there, you can take farm tours and explore the land and greenhouses with the farmers that work on site. And then the entire menu is 
created based off of what is in season. So it's as local and fresh and seasonal and organic as you can possibly imagine. Because it's a Michelin star, this is definitely recommended if you have the cash, but I (laughs) they have a fixed price tasting menu. But I think if you sit at the bar, you can have a cheaper one. And obviously, if you do a wine pairing, that's going to be more expensive. But if you have the cash to blow, but it's a really stunning scenery. Like they really make a full experience for you. You're not just like dropping into some restaurant. It's a very experiential restaurant. Those are my recommendations. If you are driving around Terrytown, Sleepy Hollow. So then what I would do is you could hop back in your car. You could jump on the train and go to, I'm kind of lumping this general area together of Cold Spring, Beacon, Fishkill, and Piermont. Okay. So that is an hour and 10 minute drive from Grand Central or about two hours on the train from Grand Central. Mm -hmm. Again, so much history. If you are going to stay the night because it's a little bit farther, you could stay at the Hudson House, which was built in 1832. I have stayed at the Hudson House. You stayed at the Hudson House. What was your experience there? It was a lovely place. We had a real nice experience. It's been a number of years, but I see that it's still well-rated. So (laughs) I was pleased to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's amazing views. You can see Mm -hmm. the Storm King Mountain from there. You can see the Hudson River and the Catskills and everything. It's a very old inn. I think we're going to be talking about the an older inn in a little bit, but this is right. still equally filled with plenty of plenty of history. And so it's right on the river. There's antique shopping in Cold Spring. It's a really lovely place to stay. While you're there, you can visit Dia Beacon, which is in Beacon. And if you take the train, it's about a nine minute walk from the train station. Mm-hmm. And Dia Beacon is a museum, again, on a beautiful piece of property. It has permanent site specific artworks and installations that wanted to showcase art from specific groups of artists from the 60s and 70s. And they are all New York, American West, and German based. So it's a permanent art installation. So it's like you can do it once and be like, never have to do that again. But it is a beautiful place to be and like breathe. I love being in museums. So this one has, it's very big open space. I like walking into museums and just feeling super creative out of it. So they have lovely grounds, displays, some outside sculptures, and a great bookshop and cafe. But if you want something that is a little bit more like getting into the woods, you could go to Fishkill Farms, which is a renowned apple orchard. And that's a really great place to visit during the fall. So it's great for apple and pumpkin picking. I just did this about two or three weeks ago. And they have a very cute little market stand where you can go inside and get fresh made donuts and pies made all year round. We had a really phenomenal pumpkin pie from them. And on the grounds, you can have views of the Catskills. And on Saturdays and Sundays, they'll have live music outside. So it's super folky and like people playing fiddles. I think a lot of people go to this area to have that more old timey feel and Fishkill Farms definitely gives that to you. They also have a lot of 
local food trucks that come up. I don't know if those are permanent or if it's a rotation of food trucks, but the food that we got there was really good. It was all sausages and very nice, warm fall food. And then they also have apple cider, hard and soft. So for adults and children. (laughs) And those are some nice things to do if you happen to be in Beacon. And Beacon is, again, like a very cute brick town where I'm personally calling it Little Brooklyn just because there's so many people who just move from Brooklyn to Beacon. So it's definitely got like really great artsy vibe as well. Well, and before we leave that area, I did want to mention one other food thing, which is I had to look it up, which is why I was delayed a little bit. But Cold Springs right down from the Hudson House is uh, Moomoo's Creamery, which Zagat has named the world's best ice cream shop. So if you're in that area and you are an ice cream fan, you might want to check the veracity of that statement. Oh, are there any specific flavors? I've never heard of this. Well, I had to check. I think we've been there. I don't know what they're known for. So Okay. I'm going to look that up because I love ice cream. And I'm not that far from there. So it's might be a nice little... <laughs> just going to go drive two hours for ice cream. I would do that. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Driving up a little bit further, we have Poughkeepsie, which is definitely a bigger city, mm-hmm. but the Poughkeepsie Rhinebeck Hyde Park area also has some really wonderful history mansions, views of the river. And one of the things that you have to do is visit the FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt's house. So FDR was born in Hyde Park on Springwood Estate, which was his birthplace, lifelong home, and is where he is now buried. He died in Georgia, but his body was brought up to Springwood. And there's quotes all around the house of how much he craved this place, especially, (laughs) I mean, Thinking of his presidency, I can only imagine how he'd be like, please get me out of here. I just want to go to the Hudson Valley. So he lived there his whole life, and he actually created the first presidential library, which is also on the site. And he originally wanted it to be a place to classify his records and Mm -hmm. all memorabilia, but because of the war, it ended up being a place more to store war documents and it turned into his study and he would actually do a lot of his famous radio speeches, his fireside chats in Mm -hmm. the library. And so you can explore the presidential library, which is also a museum and you can take a tour of his house and you can go into his other, the house's museum, which has his, collection of books and paintings, lithographs, stamps. He's just a collector. He's just a cool dude. If you know American history, FDR is just one of the coolest presidents, in my opinion. And Eleanor Roosevelt, and both of them are just such phenomenal human beings. And he's just a lover of learning. And I think that that house really emulates that. The house after he died was donated and is now a National Historic Site and is open to the public. Okay. So you can go visit it. I have driven by it. I have yet to really go in there. I think I want to bring my dad when he picks me up for Thanksgiving. 
but they also do a lot of local art exhibitions and workshops and activities throughout the year. So it's a very community-based space. And this was another thing that I saw while I was researching this area is there's the Wilderstein Mansion where FDR's Paramore lived. So Uh-oh. apparently <laughs> there was this grand Victorian, it's this beautiful orange house, this beautiful orange Victorian building where New York elitists had been living there. And there was a woman named Daisy who lived in her house for a hundred years. She never married. And when she died, they found a box of love letters in her room and they were all written and signed by FDR. And people have gone through photographs of FDR and Daisy is spotted in, I think, about four of them. I think another reason why I love the Roosevelt's is because it seems like their love life was very casual. Complicated. (laughs) Yeah, I think that they were people who understood each other. I think Eleanor and FDR understood each other for the business side of things on how Beyonce and Jay-Z are together for the business side of their empire and what they did in the bedroom might have been a little different because FDR had a bunch of mistresses. A lot of his secretaries, I think there were two main secretaries that were known to be mistresses of his and Eleanor, she might have preferred women. So I find that their love life is an interesting area to touch on. So allegedly... The Wilderstein Mansion is where FDR's paramour lived, and you can go and visit her room, and there's little tokens and memorabilia and photographs of FDR that is now out and in display that she had in this box. Next, if you still want to, this one is a little bit creepier and I think really germane for our Halloween episode, (laughs) is the Windcliff Mansion. Oh, I don't know this one. Okay. So this house, Winecliff, was built very deep into the woods around the Hudson River. And it's the same for today, where if you travel around the Hudson Valley and you're invited to a party, the deeper in you go and the higher up the mountain, the more grand the house you're about to enter is. So the farther set back and more hidden, you know it's going to be good. So Windcliff really set precedent for that. And the house is so big and inspired so many other New York City elitists to make similar houses that that's where the term keeping up with the Joneses comes from. So it fell into ruin after the Great Depression. So it was created in 1853. People lived there until the Great Depression hit. And after that, it dwindled and it was abandoned in 1950. And so today it hasn't been kept up. There's no renovation. So it's slowly falling, the leaves around it in the fall. So if you're really into derelict porn, which some people do, This is a really great one because you have to hike into it. I don't think you can. There are trespassing signs around it. You can't really enter it because it's probably pretty dangerous. You don't want bricks falling on top of you. But you can see this house slowly disintegrate. And I feel like it's a really, that would be a cool thing to do on Halloween. 
we're recording on Halloween, so people will have to do this next year, but it would be a really cool, creepy thing to do. So that's if you're into abandoned building porn, which a lot of people are. Well, and it may be demolished. Uh, it has been bought relatively recently, and a application has been made to demolish the structure. So we'll, we will see. Oh, man, I'll have to go visit way sooner than later then. Hopefully that will galvanize people to go check it out. If you're sick of seeing buildings, which a lot of these have stunning views, you can do the walkway over the Hudson State Historic Park. Mm -hmm. And so this is what was the world's largest footbridge, but it was surpassed by a bridge in Colorado. But this footbridge goes from the east to the west or the west to the east, depending on where you're starting, over the Hudson River. And it is a 1.28 miles long. It's like no more than a half an hour. I walk very quickly, so I can't give you a good estimate as to how long. Some people might want to dilly-dally, which is fine. You should. And you can just walk over the Hudson. It's very beautiful. You can see both sides, and you can start from either side. And, yeah, it's just a really great way to have a nice view of the water. Where is that exactly? I thought it was further north, but I don't know. It's right by Poughkeepsie train station. So you can get out of the Poughkeepsie Metro North station and walk over. Oh, okay. If you're going to stay in that area, you could stay in the Beacon Arms, which is the oldest inn in America. The oldest continually operated inn in America. Continually operated. So people are still hanging out there. And boy, early awesome Americans were there. <laughs> so it was built in 1704, and it hosted a lot of individuals from... The American Revolution, it was, it was a place that a lot of our forefathers would hang out. So George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, they would hang out and strategize there. Years later, FDR would do campaigns there because he lived so close. And now there's a super long list of celebrities, as long as the Constitution, list of celebrities who have stayed there over the years. and. It's a wonderful inn to stay in, and behind it is this very quintessential red barn, and it is an antique shop. So you can go, or antique emporium, as they say on the website. So you can go <laughs> and check out cool antiques. And I will say, and this is my more feel and opinion, this whole area is so phenomenal for antiquing. and. We're going to get to Hudson, and I guess that's a general thing to always be on the lookout for is there will be as many antique shops as there are Starbucks in New York City. It's every other building. <laughs> and I have not stayed in the Beekman Arms. I've eaten brunch there for two different anniversaries. I was a poor college student at the time, so couldn't afford to stay there. But Right. That's awesome. Also, I Rhinebeck is where Chelsea Clinton got married. Well, the one thing I'm even more anxious to see than the spot where Chelsea Clinton got married, but I never got a chance to see when I lived there, was the Rhinebeck Aerodrome. Ooh, what is that? The Rhinebeck Aerodrome has World War I planes. They do air shows and have a museum. It is seasonal, so you need to get there in May through October. But if you plan your visit appropriately for when they're doing an air show, for instance, uh, you can see World War I planes still in the air flying. And if you come when the museum is open, you can see them on the ground at least. Man, that's too cool. 
Too bad today's the last day to do that. <laughs> it is, um, yes, it is closing for the I'll season to, today. <laughs> I'll have to wait until May, but that's all right. That's okay. So after all of this antiquing and walking around and seeing all of this, getting your fill on history, you can check out the CIA, which is not a political organization, mm -hmm. but it is the Culinary Institute of America. And this is where... If you want to become a pastry chef or a restaurateur or all that jazz, you can go to school and pay an obscene amount of money for it, of which you will never be paid. Sorry, I used to work in the food industry, so I was always like, oh, the CIA. But phenomenal grounds. It feels like you're walking around Hogwarts a little bit. All of the buildings are just really big and old and Victorian. Lots of brick, lots of cobblestone. So when I went there a few years ago, but it seems like they've recently opened up a fourth restaurant. Mm -hmm. So they have American Bounty, which is American style food. They have the Bucas, which is their French restaurant. And then they have Restaurante Caterina de Medici, which is their Italian restaurant. That's the one I've been to. But they recently opened up a new one, a brewery called Post Road Brew. So there's such an incredible selection of food there. And the prices for what you are getting are, it's 30 bucks for a tasting. It's, at least when I went, it was incredibly affordable for the quality that you're getting. The students are part of every single process of the restaurant. So they'll do rotations between cooking and cleaning and being hosts and being waiters so everything is student-run and organized. And then they also have an apple pie bakery. I dated a guy who was an English professor there. He was just an adjunct professor. And he got all of his food for free. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, <laughs> I wish I didn't want to break up with you, but I have to. He brought these apple tart croissant things that were – it was so incredible. It was so incredible. <laughs> So the bakery is so good. The food is just, it's world-class food for genuinely no money and being trained by you know, America's next restaurateurs and eaters and all that jazz. They have several colleges around the world, but I believe the New York one is the original one. But if you're like, I kind of want to snack out on junk food instead, in Rhinebeck, you could go to Samuel's Sweet Shop where Paul Rudd, the famous actor is co-owner and because it was going out of business. And I think Paul Rudd, there's always a lot of celebrities that are just trickling up there. And I think Paul Rudd was calling Rhinebeck his second home and I can just envision Paul Rudd to the shop one day and finding out that it's going to be closed. And he was like, we can't close the candy shop. So he becomes co-owner and he ends up funding it and you can still go and there's a diverse array of candies and chocolates from the area. So I'm just like, oh, I love it. I love Paul Red. That is our end tour of the Poughkeepsie, Rhinebeck and Hyde Park area. Next is Hudson, New York, which is very close to where I grew up. I don't want you guys to know where I grew up because I don't want you to go there. It's such a little secret. But I will tell you about Hudson because it's already <laughs> blowing up and it's already spoiled by all the Brooklynites. So it's so wonderful, guys. I'm just being weirdly sarcastic. So Hudson's a really great music town. What you want to do there is 
Club Helsinki, which originally started in the Berkshires in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which I could do three hours in the Berkshires, but we'll focus on the Hudson Valley. So Club Helsinki is a nationally recognized music venue. There's a really incredible restaurant and they have such a diverse array of musical and comedy activities and events. You can also rent it out for private parties and it's, it's a really fun place to get down and it throws a really great New Year's Eve party. So Club Helsinki is really great for the nightlife, which is something that we haven't really talked about a lot because I feel like a lot of these places don't have as huge of a nightlife, but Hudson really focuses on that. So close to Club Helsinki is the Spotty Dog, which is genuinely one of probably my favorite store in this whole area. It's a bar bookstore art shop. So it's a multi-purpose store where you could go in, get a drink, <laughs> buy a book, and then paint your feelings out because it's got the best of all these little worlds. And <laughs> they do music events and Tuesday trivia and their beer selection really highlights a lot of Hudson Valley brewing, which you could throw a stone and hit a brewery. They're popping up so quickly over there. And so now I just need to give a shout out to Chatham Brew, which is award-winning beer and from my hometown, Chatham, New York. And the Checkered Pass and the Farmer's Daughter are the two things that you absolutely have to try if you want local brews. So the Spotty Dog is just cool. It's dark. It's really cozy. They've always got these red curtains. So it just is creates a very cozy, dark ambiance. Then if you want to snoop around, Etsy's headquarters, so Etsy, the online crafting Amazon DIY store, their headquarters moved to Hudson. Did not know And that. it's in this cool, large brick building, and you can peek in, and it's so beautiful. It's exactly what you would expect Etsy's headquarters to look like. Beautiful, large brick building, tall circular windows and you just peek in and it's just filled with succulents and glitter. It's just beautiful. <laughs> I, I feel like somehow the Hudson Valley is the perfect place for Etsy. I, that It tells you something about both. So this is a relatively new development, which is the Maria Abramovich Institute. So Maria Abramovich is a Serbian performist artist who began her career in the early 1970s. She's known for doing very dramatic things like walking across the Great Wall of China and meeting her ex-boyfriend in the middle and breaking up with him in the middle of the Great Wall of China and then turning around and walking back to the ends of it. <laughs> she did a performance in MoMA a few years ago when I was in college called The Artist is Present. And it was just her sitting in a chair and everyone would wait in line and you would just sit and make eye contact with her. <laughs> and most people cried. And a lot of people laughed, but most of them just cried. And it was supposed to be very, so she's a very intense person and she's dedicated her life to the Maria Abramovich method. And there's this video of Lady Gaga in the Kinderhook Creek, which is very close to this area. Mm-hmm naked, lying in the middle of the Kinderhook Creek, just holding a crystal over her body and singing one monotone note. So it's just a really interesting 
area. And so she's now created an institute. It, att- it attracts a lot of interesting folk. So she's created an institute and a residency for people to practice the Maria Abramovich method. And so there is a museum where you can walk around. And I, I don't know if you can walk around the institute, but it is just really blowing up when it comes to art. I'm afraid I would be one of those who would have laughed. So, (laughs) Oh, yeah. So the Kinderhook Creek is like super close to where my dad works. And he'll sometimes go into the creek and pull ferns out. And I just would have loved to see my horticulturist father be digging ferns out of the ground and look up. And there's just a naked Lady Gaga and Maria Abramovich singing. in the. And I'm like, what is this? But... (laughs) Anyways, it's so random. I'll send you the video. It's really weird. So so it attracts a lot of interesting people. Well, and you mentioned Kinderhook. I feel like we have to go to old Kinderhook. Yeah. Because two things. One is it is the Martin Van Buren National Historic Site, lesser known president. But the big reason I want to take people there is a piece of trivia is we get a phrase from Martin Van Buren. The story goes on his writings, he used to sign the Martin Van Buren Old Kinderhook. Or he would abbreviate it, Martin Van Buren, okay. And that eventually it got to the thing of, did you get his okay on that? That is at least one story behind the very popular phrase, old K, is that it comes from this region, from our president, Martin Van Buren. I do have a little bit on Lindenwald. So there's a lot of places to eat. Hudson is like a really great food area. If you want great pizza, there's Baba Louie's, which is really good thin crust with an awesome array of toppings. Mexican Radio is a wonderful Mexican restaurant. Super, super colorful. Makes you feel like you're in Mexico. There's Moto, which is a coffee motorcycle shop. So you can (laughs) get your motorcycle fixed and get a cup of coffee at the same time. Of course. Hudson is all into its multi-purpose stores. That's why it's one of my favorites. Then there's also a chocolate and tea shop which is closer to the river and it has a phenomenal and very well displayed selection of teas, homemade chocolates and cookies with a very cute cafe area. And if you're there during the winter time, there's the winter walk, which celebrates all of the local stores. So the piece of history that I wanted to get into with Hudson is we've been talking a lot about all of these really crazy mansions with views of the river and the Catskills and all that stuff. But Alana is very special because it was designed by Frederick Church, who was an American landscape artist. Mm -hmm. And the house is structurally Victorian, but Moorish designed. So it's this really interesting mix of Middle Eastern and Italian Victorian elements And it was all inspired by their Middle Eastern, Frederick Church and his wife. It's inspired by their Middle Eastern travels. So you see a lot of beautiful geometric patterns that you would see in the Middle East. So you can walk around the the space. And I took my mom there, I think a few birthdays ago. And you can walk around the landscape and there's still people who will walk out and they'll bring their easels and paints and canvas, and they'll just stand there and paint for hours. So it's sprinkled with all these other painters and people who are as inspired as Frederick Church was. 
Well, and that is appropriate because Frederick Church is also a central figure in the Hudson River School of American Landscape Painters. And so we're continuing on with that fine tradition. One of the very first schools of thought in American painting, I want to say, one of the things where it, it becomes different from Europe in some fashion. Yeah, so cool. Man, this is the best area. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And we could continue north here. There's Albany and the Capital Region and Saratoga and the Battlefield and Saratoga Performing Arts Center. We're going to have to save that for another show. And I think we need at this point to turn around and do a little bit of the west side before we go back to the city. Yeah. So now we'll head west. You can definitely zigzag your way back and forth. But we headed east, now we're going back down west towards the city, or you could start in Albany and do an mm-hmm. opposite loop. You do whatever you want. But there are some pretty big names here as well. So there's the iconic Woodstock, which is not where Woodstock, the music festival, actually happened. The Did festival not know that. <laughs> happened in Bethel, which is 50 miles away from Woodstock. Okay. But the people that invested in the festival was called Woodstock Ventures. Oh, okay. But Woodstock claims all the fame. They take it all from Bethel (laughs) because people come to Woodstock being where the hippies at. And there are still a few like hanging out. There's a lot of just old dudes with dreads, lots of (laughs) tie dye shops. It's become the name. So now we're in the actual Catskills proper. Mm -hmm. And the, the Catskill Mountains which is where the Washington Irving story of Rip Van Winkle occurs. Mm -hmm. And Rip Van Winkle is this old, I think he's kind of crotchety man, who takes a walk in the Catskill Mountains, falls asleep, wakes up with this huge beard, and he's like, that grew fast, and walks back down into his hometown, and it has aged by 20 years. So he... I can't remember if it's gnomes or someone puts a spell, some little creature puts a spell on him and he falls asleep for 20 years. And so then he walks around the town being like, what is this modernity? (laughs) So so that's where the story of Rip Van Winkle originates. So things to do in Woodstock is the Bearsville Theater, which is a really cool music venue. And they have a lot of different types of music come through. I've seen Andrew Bird. I've seen lesser known people. So that's a classical music, folk music, rock music. It's a really great place to explore. And Woodstock also has a really great flea market, Mauer's Flea Market, that happens on the weekends. And it's a really big, again, this is an amazing place for antiquing and shopping and finding mm-hmm. just cool old stuff. So that's a good place to go. But then if you want to take a hike, there's plenty of waterfalls. There's the Woodstock Waterfalls. And then there's also Overlook Mountain which at the top of it has a skeleton hotel, which again is more derelict porn. Okay. It has a fantastic view of the Catskills, but if you want to go even higher, there's a fire tower just to see more of an expansive view. If you're not sick of hiking and you want to be really submerged in nature, you can go to Bear Mountain. Okay. There is a hotel there called the Bear Mountain Inn, which is a ski resort, and you can do lots of skiing, hiking, and it's a very popular area for people to go and visit and walk around. And they have a variety of different hikes at different intensity levels. Okay. So if you're going to eat, 
you got to go to Bread Alone, which is this fantastic bakery that sells freshly made bread, local provisions, and it also has shops in the city. So they get you addicted and then they follow you back to the city. So <laughs> that's definitely where and it's a cute little coffee shop. Okay. Then we have New Paltz. Okay. So New Paltz is a college town where there's SUNY New Paltz, which is a really great art. SUNY State University of New York. I went to SUNY Purchase, which is the other art school, and it's the conservatory one. So we always kind of look down on SUNY New Paltz because they <laughs> didn't have conservatories. But again, I didn't go for art. I just went for psychology. So I live vicariously through all the artists. But the thing that I actually was envious of New Paltz is it's town feel because mm -hmm. you can be on the campus the campus and the town just blend into each other so you don't even know where one starts and the other begins kind of and if you're on the campus you can go to the samuel dorsky museum which has a really great variety of different mediums and styles from contemporary art and photography drawing sculpture it's a really good place to get more art so then if you go from the campus to the actual town places that you should definitely check out is Main Street Bistro and the Village Tea Room. Both of them are really great farm to table spots, joints to eat at that are very cute and cozy, like this whole area. Then if you want to get out, stretch your legs, have more of a scenic exploration and stay in the mountains, you could stay at the Mohonk Mountain House, which is in a very scenic area on the top of the mountain. You can walk around the entire preservation. You can stay there. And they have a lot of rock climbing there as well, which I'm not sure if other places offer that as much. So the last thing before we're heading back to the city is more art, because I'm sure you haven't gotten enough, which is Storm King. So Storm King is this giant large-scale sculpture park. Okay. It was featured in Master of None, Netflix TV show. Okay. And it it's huge. It's a constantly changing exhibitions, but there are some permanent things as well. And it's really interesting, large-scale sculpture art. And you can walk around the grounds. It's pretty vast. And it's been open since the 1960s. And you wanted to mention West Point. Yeah, as long as we're on that side of the river, you're also very near the U.S. Military Academy of West Point, which goes way back to a fort in the Revolutionary time that Benedict Arnold sold the plans for and got in trouble about. Uh, but basically, it was used to control the access to the river, a great big chain across this narrow part of the river there. But you can go to the West Point Museum there and a worthwhile stop if you're someone who likes history. This area is great if you like history and you like art and you like really good local food. And if you like the outdoors, I would add that in there. We're not talking about all the different state parks and such that are in the area, but there's a number of different places to get outside. And of course, in the fall uh, would be a, a really specifically great time to come to this. One more spot that I want to add just before we get back to the city Almost barely in this city, I used to live in a town called Piermont on Hudson, which is the last town you would get to on 9W. There's two highways that go on the either side of the Hudson, 9 and 9W. 
9W being the west side. And 9W, just before it gets into New Jersey, gets this little town, beautiful little town of Piermont. Probably the only thing it's ever known for, besides me living there, was that this is where this old film many of you have never heard of called The Purple Rose of Cairo by Woody Allen was filmed in Piermont. But pretty little town like so many other little towns in the area. And then I think we're back to New York. Then we're back in the city. Then we're back in the city. No more stars, no more deer, but lots of diversity. (laughs) Just one little little time in, in terms of terminology here. We have been upstate. And even when we're just barely over the border, when we started here in Terrytown, that is already to a New Yorker upstate. Even if you look at a map, we're way down in the southern portion of the state still there. But all of this is upstate New York. Yes. We're in the southern half of New York <laughs> in the whole itinerary that we talked about, but it's still upstate. Most New Yorkers will be like, oh, you're from upstate. You're from Yonkers. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and the not. only other thing I would say is if you're not doing the whole route, for, for instance, if you're skipping up to some of the portions that are a little further north, one good way to get there if you have a car is to drive the Taconic. Taconic is a parkway on the West side, the road is mostly the throughway. It's Toll Road 87. But on the east side, if you're going all the way up to Albany, for instance, it's the Taconic Parkway. Trucks can't go, and it's a beautiful, beautiful highway. It's such a great... I love driving the Taconic. Great drive. hmm We talked about the best time to go. Do you want to disagree with me that it's the fall? No. I think the fall is the best. The leafers... The leafers... <laughs> Like, I'm very, yeah, that's where all the leafers come. That's all the people who drive <laughs> sure. up from the city. I honestly think that the summer is really phenomenal as well, but okay. you need to I know with you. where all of the watering holes are. You got to love the real country stuff. Mm-hmm. So I love summer in upstate because I can do my favorite things. I can go swimming whenever I want. I can go berry picking and I can breathe fresh air. So I I think I have a penchant for summertime because it also doesn't get as hot. But yep. I think that if you're visiting and you've never been to something that has the f- type of fall that we have, it's the quintessential Pinterest page of fall leaves and pumpkin spice lattes and all that jazz. It's such a stunning area. And there's really not a lot of places else on earth that behold such a beautiful change of colors. So I think that if you are visiting, fall would be the best time. Any particular festival or day of the year that you would want to be on the Hudson Valley? Ooh, well, I mentioned the Hudson, their winter market, Okay. but then Chatham, the town that I'm from, which is 20 minutes northwest of Hudson, is the Columbia County Fair. So they all, each county has a different fair every single year. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's typically, that's always done during the summertime, which is as a kid, that was just the best thing. So you can go on lots of different rides and play all of the typical fair games and get deep fried butter and (laughs) fried Kool-Aid and just all the weird, it just gets weirder. But I would research what county you're going to be in because they all have different times where the fairs are always at different times. I think also there is a Renaissance fair. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't remember where that is, but you are correct. One thing that makes you laugh and say only in the Hudson Valley. Stewart's ice cream. Sure. <laughs> Stewart's is a gas station, 
but it has the best ice cream. It has the for it's a being a gas station. It gas has station phenomenal. quick stop Seven Eleven kind of yeah okay. So definitely Stewart's, and then also Fusillo car commercials. They're the f- worst car commercials. But if you talk to somebody from the Hudson Valley, they know what you're talking about because they hear his voice and they immediately mute the television. <laughs> so that would be something where you could identify like a true person from the Hudson Valley. And then also apple cider donuts, very food based, but apple cider donuts are so phenomenal in this area. I remember I used to live in Portland, Oregon. And during the fall, I was like, where's the cider donuts? And they're like, we don't, what are you talking about? And I was like, ah, this is why the East coast is superior. (laughs) (laughs) You do not have apple cider donuts or fireflies. So get away from me. But If you had to summarize the Hudson Valley in just three words, what three words would you choose? Country living, art, and cozy. Excellent. Our guest again has been Adrian Bain from strangersabroadpodcast.com and the Strangers Abroad Podcast. If we had to send people to the best post you've done on the Hudson Valley, do you have one that we should send people to? Ooh, post on Hudson Valley? I don't. I Most of my work is all international. If you write one up before this goes up, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And Adrian, thanks so much for coming on The Amateur Traveler and sharing with us your love for the Hudson Valley. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. We're going to wrap this show up pretty quick, but don't forget we have that trip to Africa in 2019. Go to amateurtraveler.com slash Africa 2019 to learn more information. And with that, we'll end this episode of Amateur Traveler. If you have any questions, send an email to host at amateurtraveler.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at amateurtraveler.com. And don't forget to subscribe. And thanks so much for listening. <laughs>